It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Enjoyed a great conversation with BYU Associate Head Coach and Defensive Coordinator Jay Hill on the KSL Sports Zone on Monday. We're going to talk about some of the highlights to take away from his conversation with DJ and PK. All that ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show, wherever you might be checking it out, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts in regular podcast format. Thank you for your support. Brand new title sponsor on today's on today's show is a new t- sponsor here on the network. Is our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. And we'll tell you a little bit more about them as today's show progresses. But let's dive right in on today's show. Had a great opportunity to catch up with BYU Associate Head Coach and Defensive Coordinator Jay Hill with DJ and PK on the KSL Sports Zone yesterday. Uh, most of you know this at this point, but if you don't, I am the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning, have been so for the last nine years on uh, 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. And Jay joined the show and had a great conversation. And I had some uh, clips ready to roll, but uh, my secondary program that I was actually running my audio through today decided it doesn't want to cooperate this evening uh, as I record this on a Monday night. So uh, I'm going to have to summarize essentially uh, what Jay Hill had to say for you. So apologies, you're not going to hear in his own words, but I will drop a link in the show notes, whether it's on YouTube, it's also on your podcast provider. Uh, In the show notes, there'll be a link to hear Jay Hill's entire interview. Uh, There's far more uh, to cover uh, than I have time for in this edition of Locked on Cougars. And we may revisit some of those conversation pieces uh, from that interview in a future episode. But uh, I th- the top thing I wanted to talk about from today's show was Jay coming on and talking about the fact that he feels like BYU needs to continue to add to their roster. And it's going to be a, it's a building process to get this defense up to speed to compete in the Big 12. And I don't think that's anything that's breaking news to any of you out there in Cougar Nation is that the BYU defense, it was broken. It was broken in a bad way, and Jay Hill is trying to get it back on track. And his first foray at getting a chance to get his truly his hands on in building that is going to be during spring ball coming up. It'll probably be uh, the month of March, essentially, will be spring ball. It's typically when BYU uh, does it. They try to get it in before uh, the semester ends. Uh, But the biggest thing, I think, for him is he is going to have to build this defense essentially from the ground up in terms of building the overall scheme, uh, where he wants guys to be, uh, just the overall tactics of his scheme. Now, it doesn't change a lot from what he ran both at the University of Utah as an assistant coach and also the nine seasons he spent as the head coach at Weber State, but 
The one thing he's going to have to do is make sure that he adapts his uh, overall scheme and philosophy to fit the players that he has at his disposal. Does he have every uh, player that he hopes to have in his defense at BYU right now? Absolutely not. This was a defense that was recruited to under Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb's leadership. Both of them are now gone, and you're having to essentially uh, revamp what you were doing. Am I, am I speaking of me, Jake, uh, am I hopeful that he will get things uh, trending in the right direction at some point in this season? I am hopeful that will happen. But he talked about the fact that spring ball essentially is going to be a proving ground for him to be able to go out and uh, have guys show him what they're capable of. He says essentially, he said essentially the quote was we're wiping the slate clean for all these guys. Nothing they've done before, nothing they have uh, proven, nothing they have produced, all, all this stuff that they have done to this point good or bad uh, in that respect, essentially is just a clean slate and everybody has their opportunity to go out and prove themselves. There are probably defensive linemen, linebackers, maybe even some DBs in this defense for BYU who are thinking, Hallie, freaking Lulia, the previous staff didn't give me a fair shot, blah, 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 whatever the situation might have been. They are now going to be given that opportunity to go out and reprove themselves to this coaching staff. And the nice part is, outside of Gennaro Guilford, really none of these coaches have had their direct hands on this BYU defensive uh, group. They have had opportunities to watch the tape. I'm sure they have watched these games back again, backwards and forwards, three or four times, it feels like at this point. But as Jay said, spring ball is going to be an opportunity for all these young men to go out and prove themselves anew. So that gives guys that maybe have been written off at some point uh, during their time at BYU so far an opportunity to say, okay, now I have a new opportunity. I can essentially reinvent myself with this coaching staff and see if I can prove myself worthy of getting playing time. Now, the other thing that Jay talked about is that he knows that BYU is going to have to uh, continue to uh, build in terms of the overall strength department. Uh, obviously, guys in the weight room during this time of year with the winter conditioning drills, they obviously are going to have to continue to upgrade in terms of the talent. Uh, he said that he's going to be out on the road recruiting. We already saw that. He visited a bunch of schools here in the state of Utah. I believe he was at Stansbury High School. I saw West High uh, making a lot of trips. And he mentioned that the state of Utah is essentially his home base in terms of recruiting. He also mentioned that he's going to be recruiting the uh, Houston, not Houston, Houston area in Texas. Now that's a great big metropolis of talent that BYU is barely tapped into, it feels like, down there in Houston. A lot of programs I heard in the West are starting to realize that there, there are hot spots in Texas that you have to hit up and obviously try to glean a few guys here and there from. And BYU feels like they're getting into that area a little bit late, but Jay's connections in the Houston area as his time as an assistant coach and also working at Weber State should yield benefits in recruiting in that department. So uh, the overall uh, thing I thought from Jay's thought was that BYU's defense, yes, it's very much going to be a work in progress. In spring ball, there's going to be ups and there's going to be a lot of downs. Guys are going to be making wrong decisions left and right, it feels like, because they're going to be trying to understand and grasp a scheme. They're going to be learning from the ground up once again. A number of these guys have played years and years and years in BYU's previous defensive scheme. Will there be things that maybe carry over? Maybe so, but the philosophy, the overall uh, language of this defense going to be brand new for all these guys, but I was encouraged to hear that Jay Hill said that it's going to be a clean slate for everybody. Coaches, players, everybody involved, they get an opportunity to go out and prove themselves in this spring ball period. Now, he also uh, obviously talked a little bit about recruiting. He talked about what to expect for BYU a week from now when BYU gets to the early signing period. Uh, it's a week from tomorrow, February 1st, will be National Signing Day or the actual opening of the regular signing period for all these high school, junior college, etc. athletes. 
athletes. Well, he talked about what BYU is looking for in that respect, how they will go about things, how much activity truly to expect, and we'll expound upon that here in just a moment. First, need to get a word in on our new sponsor over there, our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, the NFL playoffs are here, my friends, and we are very excited to be having a new sports betting partner for the Locked On Podcast Network because they're the number one sports book in America, and that's our friends at FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, like myself, actually, I'm learning this just along with you guys, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Think about that. $5 bet nets you $150 in free bets. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on right now, my friends. FanDuel is all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. They've got it all for you guys. The best part is you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay bet. The best part is about those parlays is you have a good feeling about a player, a situation, a, a spread. You put that all together and it can pay you three, what, four, five times more than what you w- would have won for any one of those individual bets. So give it a shot, my friend. It's all on an app right now, by the way, that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can do it all from the comfort of your home and literally on your phone. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150. That's $150, $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for joining us here on uh, Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out our brand new college basketball podcast. That's our friends over at Locked On College Basketball. They do a great job covering everything in the college hoops realm. You should check it out. Uh, it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available on YouTube. All right, uh, back to a couple of notes uh, from Jay Hill, and this revolves around directly recruiting and obviously National Signing Day coming up in just over a week. Now, Jay was very very blunt when asked by PK about, okay, how much activity should Cougar fans expect when it comes to National Signing Day? And he said, not much. And I don't think that should be necessarily uh, breaking news to anybody out there because BYU did the vast majority of their work in the transfer portal as well as their uh, high school and junior college recruiting in the early signing period. They had the vast majority of their class signed, sealed, and delivered in that period. But there are obviously going to be opportunities for BYU to go out and recruit guys. There are three guys that I understand are still very much in the mix for BYU in terms of guys that could end up signing for BYU on National Signing Day, one of which I think would be one of the crown jewels of BYU's recruiting class. So the three guys, and Jay didn't mention these guys because he can't talk about them by name, but they're guys that I've been poking around about, asking about, and just kind of understanding what the current circumstances are. The first one is LJ Martin, of course, uh, the four-star prospect out of El Paso, Texas, a guy that has three stars on 24-7 sports, but I've seen four-star uh, 
uh, comps for him. Currently, uh, a guy that has been committed uh, to Stanford at one point, didn't sign in the early signing period after the resignation of David Shaw from the Cardinal. Uh, he has got all kinds of opportunities to play all over the country. Uh, he could play anywhere close to home in Texas. He's got opportunities like BYU. And I think that BYU is hot on his heels. A guy like that, LJ Martin, if you were to combine him with a guy like Aiden Robbins, that's a fantastic one-two combo for BYU to have a running back alongside guys like Hinkley Ropati and Miles Davis already in the program. I that's the I think the, the one BYU wants out of all of these guys in this uh, lead up to National Signing Day, if they could pick one guy that they're going to sign, I think it would be LJ Martin and for good reason. This is a guy who absolutely can ball out. He's got size, speed, weight combo, 6'1", 200 plus pounds. You figure you can pack on some of those pounds in college as well with the weight uh, training, etc. I think it would be an absolute home run if BYU can land him. Now, the other two names they pay attention to in the lead-up to signing day, and these are just the three that I know of, and there could be obviously guys that pop up between now and signing day that BYU's been recruiting. There's a bevy of, by the way, preferred walk-on offers out there. I don't even have enough time in the day to run down all of those, and obviously BYU not be, will not be announcing those on signing, signing day because walk-ons don't sign national letters of intent. So uh, that changes the calculus there a little bit. But the other two guys I'm tracking in the lead-up to signing day include one local prospect in Moteki A.I. Munga, uh, played at both Mountain View and Timview High School, most recently at Timview. Uh, 6'3", 250-pound defensive lineman. I really think that Munga, he's got all kinds of untapped potential. I think he's got an opportunity to really be a guy BYU could bring along and develop nicely in this new defensive scheme. There is obviously a, a competition for his services, mainly from the University of Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors out in Honolulu, as well as Utah State, it looks like. I did see a picture of him on a visit at at the University of Utah. I don't know necessarily if he's got a preferred walk-on offer from the Utes or if it's a scholarship offer, but BYU would love nothing more than to tap right into that background, right down the road at Timview High School, and bring Monga into the program. We'll see. Uh, most people call him Mote. I actually have a connection to one of his family members uh, from my high school days, funny enough. His older brother uh, is a good friend of mine, Chris, and uh, I'm hoping that Mote uh, can pick BYU. And then the final guy to pay attention to in the recruiting sphere here in the lead-up to signing day is a recent offer out of uh, Colorado, Regis Jesuit, which is a, a private school, one of the top schools in Colorado, though, in football, and that's DeAndre Barnes. Six-foot, 175-pound defensive back prospect, a guy that Gennaro Guilford has offered. Uh, he's a composite three-star uh, rating from our friends over at 24-7 Sports. He's got the height, length, and speed combo that BYU craves in their cornerbacks. And what I mean by that is BYU likes guys who are six foot or taller, a little maybe a little skinnier, 170, 180 pounds, but can really run. That's the one thing that General Guilford has really succeeded with is having guys who can just get down the field and play nice coverage. And he feels like he can develop guys if they have the right skill set uh, around them, uh, if they have the right height, weight, and speed combos, but obviously a guy like DeAndre Barnes, he's not a true project because he has played cornerback and defensive back during his time in high school. This is not a guy that's a Chris Wilcox who never played defense defense before showing up to BYU, or most recently uh, D'Angelo Mandel. And by the way, both Chris Wilcox and D'Angelo Mandel developed very, very nicely at BYU as guys who had never played defensive back before enrolling in Provo. But a guy like DeAndre Barnes, keep an eye on this and lead up to signing day. A number of you, we talked yesterday 
on the podcast saying that you need to see more guys at the skill positions in terms of guys coming into the program. Well, DeAndre Barnes would obviously help fill a need at a cornerback spot that is pretty thin for BYU at the moment. Obviously, uh, he's coming in and you're probably going to have to develop him. Maybe a redshirt year for him is in order, but he is a guy to keep an eye on in the lead up to signing day. So, uh, going back to the conversation that Jay Hill had with PK uh, is that, yes, it probably could be a pretty light day in terms of overall announcements for BYU on National Signing Day, but all three of those guys, Moteki Aimunga, a three-star prospect, uh, I mentioned uh, DeAndre Barnes, three stars, and then anywhere, depending on where you look at, LJ Martin, a three, a high three-star or a low four-star prospect, any one of those three or all three of them will be phenomenal gets, it feels like, for BYU and help fill needs at positions BYU has them at the moment. So uh, the other thing about Jay Hill that he also talked about with regards to his recruiting prowess is that he said that they are going to hold some spots open for the transfer portal until the spring transfer portal period. That'll be getting in the beginning of May, May 1st through the 15th, if I remember the dates are correct. That is when the portal will back open back up. And he mentioned the fact they're going to go through spring ball, try and evaluate, going back to our earlier conversation, about what they have, what they may need with regards to their defensive output slash production, and then they will hit the transfer portal once again and pick up maybe a couple of guys in that period that hopefully fill more needs. So, if you think that BYU's done for the transfer portal for the for the entirety of the offseason leading up to Big 12 play this fall, uh, it's done for now. It's, uh, it's, we're done for this semester essentially. Uh, there obviously maybe could be a, a name or two that pops up now and, then, now and again if a big name for BYU that suddenly has interest, uh, obviously that would pop up and make, make news headlines. But it sounds Sounds like they are done, at least for this semester, and then they'll re-engage with guys in the portal uh, coming up when the spring portal period opens up. And obviously, there'll probably be a number of guys, both from BYU as well as the other 132 programs nationwide at the FBS level, FCS level, etc. on down. They'll be entering the portal, and they'll be able to address some uh, address some uh, needs there if they do end up finding that they have needs after spring ball. And I think that's actually a really smart play here on Jay's part. Hold some spots open, go through spring ball, evaluate truly what you got. Put guys in the uncomfortable situations, see what you've got, see what guys stand out, see what guys don't, see what position groups maybe need a little bolstering, and then you start portal hunting once again, and hopefully you bring in some guys during the summer period, bring them in, get them into the program during the spring and summer terms, and then off your roll into training camp and on in to Big 12 play. So overall, I thought it was a very, very enlightening conversation with Jay Hill, and I thought it was something that was worth uh, talking about, even if uh, my program wasn't going to let me play the audio clips uh, I was hoping to play on today's show. But hopefully you guys uh, took away something from that. Like I said, there's probably five or six other topics I didn't even touch on from that conversation that we'll have to bring back around at some point here in the relatively near future, and we'll get to that. It's going to be an interesting conversation piece just to watch BYU and spring ball upcoming, is that they have a lot of opportunity on the defensive side of the football to go out and prove themselves, but at the same time, they obviously are trying to find the right combination of guys slash skills slash talent that is going to give them an opportunity to compete right away in the Big 12. Is, comp- is, is winning eight or nine games the prerogative this year for BYU? No, not, absolutely not. I've said it once again, six and six for me, I think is the barometer for success this year for BYU in the Big 12. But if you can find your way to where you're competing at a little higher level, uh, maybe winning a game or two here and there that you're not supposed to win in that first or second year in the Big 12, well, that could go a a long way towards helping you continue to build in the recruiting prowess you're going to have to have to be a true power player at the Power 5 level. All right. 
It's a lot. So thank you for bearing with me. You had to deal with me telling you what Jay Hill had to say. But like I said, I'll drop a, a, com- a note in the in our show notes, a link in the show notes, so you can go listen to that entire conversation. It's up wherever you get your podcasts. You can search DJ and PK uh, or search KSL Sports Zone. You go to kslsports.com. Click on the podcast tab. It'll be right there for you guys. It was a really, really fun piece. All right, we will finish out today's show with some final notes on what's going on with BYU sports and other sports uh, around campus. We'll also continue our look Look back at BYU's 2012 season, a fortuitous game against Weber State, funny enough. Uh, the second game of the 2012 season, it, it completely changed the whole tenor of that season, it felt like, because of one hit in that game. We'll get to it in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at UCCU. Of course, UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard, and to celebrate, UCCU is giving a 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing in the state, fastest growing cities in the state, my friends. Many of you know the Vineyard's just popping up like weeds, it feels like. Not in a bad way. It's really cool to see that, but the new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and of course, UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, which connect you uh, with a real-life UCCU professional right in the branch or from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch today and enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced of that UTV in April, just in time for you you to go out and have some summer fun. So stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard today, conveniently located right next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. And you do not have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. It makes my world go round, and we are still looking uh, for advertisers. So if you'd like to advertise with the podcast, we've got some fun ones in the in the ether right now. Guys uh, and folks out there uh, signing up that we'll be announcing here relatively soon, we hope. Uh, but if you guys have interest in advertising with the podcast, we'd love nothing more than to get you on the road to having advertising success. Uh, thousands upon thousands of BYU fans check out this podcast daily, so you want to get your brand, your company, or your product in front of those fans, do it with us here on Locked On Cougars. Reach out. Uh, email LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address if you want to reach out. And we'll get you in touch with our team and get you on the way to podcast advertising success. All right. Before we go on today's show, let's take a look back at 2012 once again. We talked yesterday about how BYU coming into the 2012 season, they'd finished uh, the 2011 season uh, 10-3. and three. They finished 25th in the national polls, and there was a lot lot of hope that BYU having a settled quarterback position uh, coming into this matchup in 2012 would yield more success and even uh, maybe a better team than BYU showed even in a 10-win season in 2011. Well, BYU opened the season, as we mentioned, with a pretty significant win over Washington State. Uh, Funny enough, it was the first game uh, for the late uh, Mike Leach at Washington State. BYU absolutely pummeled the Crimson Cougars 30-6. And then the next week, BYU welcomed Weber State to Provo, and this was a game that BYU you schedule wins, and with these FCS games, you're supposed to win the game, and BYU came into this one 
with Riley Nelson seemingly at the peak of his powers. Had an absolutely phenomenal game for BYU in that win over Washington State. Taysom Hill also came in and threw one pass and threw a touchdown pass. Uh, but as the game progressed against Weber State, many of you will recall that Riley Nelson took a shot uh, to his midsection, actually kind of his lower back area, and ended up, and I don't know how to describe this exactly, because I was showing the picture. I was actually in the stand. I was actually wasn't the stand. I was in the press box that day. Saw him take that hit, and then he kind of struggled and limped off the field and was uh, kind of holding his back. Well, come to find out, the next week in the lead-up to the game against Utah, which we will talk about on tomorrow's show, I was sent a picture from a, a let's just say a close source to the situation, and had a picture of a of an X-ray, and they said this is Riley Nelson's back. And many of you know that a vertebra, and I'm 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 kind of trying to show this on. Uh, I don't have the picture anymore. I actually went back through my phone to see if I could had it. I don't even know where I put it, but I, I would actually probably would have shown it at this point. Maybe maybe if I had it, but regardless, you guys know that your vertebra essentially have like these like wings on the side of them, if that makes sense, in your back, uh, your vertebrae, and he actually broke off pieces of each one of those quote-unquote wings. They're like Kind of like, like, like butterfly wings in a way. You can Google a vertebrae, and you can kind of, he broke off the pieces on multiple parts of his vertebrae, and that was a brutal, brutal thing to have, uh, and it brought up the conversation, many of you might recall, about why is Riley Nelson showing off those abs, because he was in that heyday, if you remember back in like 2012, a lot of football players were showing off their abs, and Riley Nelson, great head of hair, great abs, and he was all about showing all that off, and he had it, he was not wearing one of those ribs slash uh, protectors like uh, that would have uh, maybe helped uh, absorb that type of a hit that he took from Weber State in that game. Got knocked out of the game, but still had a pretty good performance overall. He ended up completing 18 of 29 passes, one touchdown against one interception. But like I mentioned, ends up getting hurt in this game, and you're obviously thinking, okay, how soon can he return? And there was, I remember the coaches saying that we're going to have to evaluate him. We'll see how it goes. James Lark uh, came in in relief, uh, completed 7 of 10 passes for 45 yards and a touchdown in this one. Michael Elisa led BYU's rushing attack with 53 yards and a touchdown of his own as BYU ran for 225 yards. But the biggest takeaway from this game was, okay, how seriously is Riley Nelson injured and how soon can he get back? Can he suit up next week against Utah? Obviously, BYU got absolutely just smashed the year prior in Provo. They were heading up uh, on the hill to the University of Utah on the September 15th, 2012, and you wanted to have Riley Nelson available for that game, but the conversation was, okay, how injured truly is he and what will uh, his availability be? We'll talk about the Utah game tomorrow, but uh, this Weber State game paid the price, obviously. BYU's 2-0 in 2012, but with a hurt quarterback, it really did change essentially the entire uh, tenor of the rest of the season, all because of one fortuitous hit uh, taken in an FCS game. But we'll talk about what happened again with Utah on tomorrow's show. Also on tomorrow's show, going to be joined by Nick Farabaugh. He is the host of Locked on Pitt, uh, covering the Pitt Panthers. Does a great job out there in Pittsburgh. I want to give you guys a little bit of his insight. His guy who has covered Pitt uh, game in and game out for the better part of a decade, it feels like, for Nick. He's done a really, really good job out there. Well, he watched every game that Keaton Slovis played this past season for the Pitt Panthers. What is Keaton taking from his time at Pitt, in Nick's opinion, and bringing to BYU? What are the highs? What are the lows? What's the concern level? What, what can he accomplish at BYU that maybe he couldn't have accomplished at Pitt? 
Well, you'll hear uh, from Nick on tomorrow's show. And like I said, we'll also talk about BYU and that fortuitous game against Utah in 2012 as well. So stay with us all week long right here on Locked On Cougars. Every single day, we got you covered top to bottom when it comes to all things BYU. Uh, Also, coming up later in the week, hoping to have uh, some players that have recently enrolled at BYU. Uh, We already had guys like Jake Retzlaff. We've had Aiden Robbins on the show. Going to be efforting getting more of those guys on the show as well. And I'm chasing down some leads right now and hoping to have maybe one or two of them later this week. We'll also get you ready for BYU basketball as the week progresses as well. They're trying to bounce back uh, from two very disappointing losses against uh, both uh, Santa Clara and San Francisco as St. Mary's comes to town on Saturday night. So we got a big week ahead of us, my friends. So stay with us all week long. And thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Come back tomorrow to hear from Nick Farabaugh, like I mentioned, on Keaton Slovis. Very interested to hear his takeaway as a guy who watched every game that Keaton played this past year for the Pitt Panthers, so we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure your second listen is our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you guys are up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 Conference. We will have another uh, roundtable edition coming relatively soon as well, where I will be part of that, as we are wont to do on that podcast, but check it out. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day out there in Cougar Nation. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.